I'm Nora McInerney, and this is Terrible Thanks for Asking. Last week, we told you that we were taking a break for a couple months. And here we are a week later, back at work. What does that say about you that you believed us? What does it say about me that I would lie to you? Or, even worse, that I'm unable to not work? Even though I think that I still have post-concussive syndrome, post- <laughs> Post can I don't even know what it's called, but I'm going to the doctor later today. Either way, makes you think. <laughs> makes you think. That's what we're here to do, to make you think things and feel things. Okay, so this is not a regular episode. This is a special episode. It's special because if you've listened to this podcast since the beginning or even the middle, or if you've even just listened a few times, I want to say thank you. But as of this episode, we are three years old. We are pretty much the same age as the baby I told you about in episode zero. And just like that baby, we're almost potty trained. So this podcast was started, it was published for the first time three years ago. We started it before that. I was not even, I don't know where I was. I was just in the ashes of my first life. My husband Aaron had died of brain cancer. I had stopped going to my work, which then led to them asking me to never come back and telling me they would no longer pay me for not attending work. It was mutual, but not really. If you catch my drift, they were like, we noticed you haven't been here. Are you coming back? And I was like, why are you calling me? How did you get this number? There were words exchanged. Anyways, I was unemployed. I was a mom. I was widowed. I was really just thriving in my element, you know, staying up all night, drinking a bottle of Skinny Girl Margarita, watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. That is emotional comfort food for me. Rearranging my furniture a lot over and over, taking everything out of my pantry, never putting it back, living a very rich and fulfilling life. I did need money. That was a thing that every person needs to keep paying their bills. So I wrote... A book. I wrote a book for HarperCollins. It's okay to laugh. Crying is cool too. I love brevity in a title, as you know. So right before Aaron had died, Aaron and I had written his obituary together and you can Google it. It was pretty cool. And it started the way all obituaries start, which is per mort, Aaron Joseph, age 35, died due to complications from a radioactive spider bite and years of crime fighting against a nefarious criminal named cancer who has plagued our society for far too long. Civilians will recognize him only as Spider-Man. That obituary did get published in our local newspaper, the Minneapolis Star Tribune, and then it went viral. And I got so many messages from so many people from around the world. And they offered me their, you know, condolences, which is a word I love because it kind of sounds like a baked good. And then they made a pretty quick pivot into telling me about their own suffering. And sometimes it was grief-related, and sometimes it was just something really bad that had happened to them. So I had this idea where I thought, you know, you you like podcasts. How hard can it be to make one? So I, I shot a tweet out into the world, and I said, who in Minnesota knows how to make a podcast? And someone replied, Hans Buto at American Public Media, and I I sent that strange man a DM. And I said, what if we, you know, I just want to make a podcast where I ask people to tell me about the worst thing that they've ever been through. And um, 
and and the the title is terrible. Thanks for asking. And he was like, who gave you my contact information? Actually, Hans was really kind. And he said, you know what? I love getting unsolicited ideas from people with no experience. Every producer loves that. You should email, you know, no one reads this email at AmericanPublicMedia.org. And I did, but jokes on Hans. Someone read that email. I got a meeting with Hans and his boss. And we made this show. The title was obviously 100% fantasy for me. It's what I wish I would have said. It's what I would say if I had a time machine, could go back in time and actually have the emotional fortitude to be honest with the people who were trying to take care of me after Aaron died. I couldn't go back in time myself. I could try to give other people the chance to be more emotionally honest. As I worked on this podcast, I fell in love with podcasting, with giant plates of nachos eaten right before you record that make you burp, and also with a man named Matthew. I got pregnant. Oops. I was building this new version of my family, and it felt so messy. And so the messy work of digging through the stories of other people felt right to me because I was not, I am not special. All around me and all around you are people who are just muddling through, who are still in the thick of it, even though... They look like they've gotten through. They figured it out. The podcast is now three years old, and Aaron has been gone for five years. That's no time at all, really. Five years is nothing. That's a blink. And also so much happens in five years. I'm married again to Matthew. We have four kids in our blended family. And if you're like boring, we already know that. I'm sorry. That's I'm a boring person now. It's like once you have more than one child, you are legit a snooze. People are like, how are you? I'm like, well, one of my kids. Who cares? No one asked. I care, kids. They don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> so this podcast is in a lot of ways kind of therapeutic for me. I know it is for a lot of you, too. It's obviously helped me. It's made me a softer person, sometimes a nicer person, sometimes a worse person because it's a podcast, not a magic spell. So this week's episode, it's this, guys. I'm just talking. I am so sorry to break it to you. It's a reflection on the past few years on moving forward with grief, on various themes from doing this work for three years. I'm not interviewing anybody. I'm just talking, look, if I had to come up with a topic, which Hans definitely asked me to do, it'd be something quippy like three things I learned in three years of podcasting. Click here to find out now. But honestly, it might be two things or nine things. I'm not sure. But here we go. Just because I'm six, can I have them? Well, no, for a lot of reasons. I just want to show you some stuff. But can I have them? Yeah, you can have some stuff. I'm not going to have all of it. I'd be like, That's a lot of stuff. Okay. Oh my god, it's not that cold as I expected. Uh Uh-uh. Okay. Hold on, I can never remember where the light switch is. There we go. Okay, if you see a spider, just be cool. After a death, memories are all you have. They're almost like a commodity and anything can be a memory. I have Aaron's nose hair trimmer. I will keep it forever. You'll have to pry it out of my cold, dead hands because that nose hair trimmer contains 
little pieces of his DNA and also is convenient because women also grow hair in their nostrils. It is perfectly natural. I will not be shamed for needing to basically use a tiny electric razor inside my nose holes. Magazine cover. Oh, I want these. I want these guys. They're so yeah, cute. that one. Okay. Oh, what's this? These are all... These are just Star Wars figures from, like... Actually, these might be... No. Yeah, I've whoa, cataloged whoa, each of Aaron's t-shirts in a spreadsheet and then vacuum sealed them into those giant vacuum seal bags. Um, they're in my basement. They are plentiful. There are hundreds of t-shirts. I have several cases of Star Wars toys from the 90s that he was saving for some reason. I've asked people if they're worth anything. I don't think they are. I have scraps of paper he wrote on. I have objects from before I even knew him, objects that mean nothing to me except that they were his, and so they mean everything. Ooh, ooh. Oh, Stormtrooper! Yeah, I can. Stormtrooper. Ah, All right. I have never seen this cover, though. Isn't that cool? The things, at least some of them, are a little less important to me today. I've released some of them to various people, like Marie Kondo would have told me to. But the memories, the actual recollection of a thing that happened, an experience I shared with Erin, those I cling to like a tadpole clings to its mother's back before she drops it into a pool of dew on a plant leaf. What a simile. I've been reading a lot of nature books to the kids, and I told you I was boring. Shut the door, though, bud. Okay, Ralphie, this cracks me up. I gotta show you this. This is... You know how in movies when somebody has to take somebody like a million dollars in a, they always put it in a funny metal suitcase? Yeah. Papa bought one of these um, to put his work stuff in when he went on job interviews <laughs> so he could show people the work that he did. Oh my God. So one of his. <laughs> so one of his jobs was that he designed this. Um, I read somewhere that every time you recall a memory, you degrade it. It gets blurrier in your mind until it's a copy of a copy of a copy. And around this five-year mark, I've been really wary of my own memories of Aaron. I think about him every day, but it's more in the present tense. Like, what would Aaron do? What would Aaron say? What would Aaron think of the new Kesha song? I mean, it, he'd love it. I revisit my memories of him, the actual memories, less and less because I'm kind of scared of wearing them out. One day I'll need them. I'll need them to be fresh and crisp. And so I don't want to waste them, I guess. And some days those memories are just served up to me against my will. Google Photos, oh, they'll send you a notification with an update on what you were doing this exact same day five years ago, which was writing Aaron's obituary with him, or six years ago sitting in the hospital while he got a chemo drip and read a book to our son. But I always click. I always look. And then I feel slightly scared, like I've squandered that feeling of discovery because, because I've already made all the memories of Aaron that I will ever get. And if I live a long life, I need them to last. I think you are. If I find any more, I'm just gonna find them. Not like you. Oh, wow. Well. That's in my. No, I'm not gonna give you one. Alright, hold on. I gotta, I gotta move some stuff to get there. 
even the photos that I looked through are finite. I have a giant tub of them from Aaron's high school and college days when he worked at ProX. And I have every photo from his own hard drive backed up to my own Google Photos account. That's it. That's all I have. Sometimes though, I'm surprised by someone I don't know or that I hardly know who gets in touch just to share their own memory of Aaron with me. It happens far less frequently now than it did when Aaron had just died and everyone was flooding his Facebook wall in my inbox with their Aaron story. I felt like I was in one of those game show phone booths that sprays cash at you for a limited amount of time, except that I was scrambling to try to hold on to messages to grab what I could of memories to make sure I grabbed the $100 memories instead of too many $1 memories. Now I look at people who knew Aaron really in any way as just this goldmine of memories of him. What do they know about his life that I don't? Do they remember what he looked like stepping off the elevator and into the lobby of his office or how his fingers looked on a keyboard or how he sipped from a bottle of beer? Because I don't want to remember that yet. And I look for these memories everywhere, even in places that seem maybe odd to the non-grieving. Like, I maintain a friendship with Aaron's only other serious girlfriend because one, she's truly a lovely person, and two, she contains 10 years of Aaron. 10 years! She's the only person who loved him the same way I did, romantically. She's the only real person who knows what it's like to kiss him. And, well, when he was alive, that made me absolutely boil with jealousy. Now I just like knowing that she knows what it's like to be brought to tears by laughter over one of his dumb stories. I don't mine her for information. I just like knowing that she contains it the way Aaron's mother and sister and friends do. I think this is the second thing. Uh, Second thing? Thing number two. Which is like memories and grief and kids. Our son Ralph doesn't have any of his own memories of his father as a person. He does have memories from the week that Aaron died, even though he wasn't even two years old yet. He remembers the hospital bed that was set up in our office. He remembers doctors, who were really hospice workers, coming to our home to help take care of Aaron. And he remembers right after Aaron's death how Ralph and I were always on the move. I packed up a giant suitcase and took Ralph from city to city, visiting any friend who had a place for us. Shout out Dave Gilmore and Tyler Childs for being great hosts for a sad person and their child. Ralph's walls are filled with photos of Aaron, Aaron holding baby Ralph, Aaron kissing me, photos of our family of three all alongside our current family of six. Number three, this is chronic. The only people who think that grief has a timeline to it are people who haven't grieved yet. Heidi, um, who's a listener in The Terrible Club, which is our Facebook group for listener supporters of this podcast, asked if there was an episode about when people get annoyed by your grief. And I honestly don't know because I'm sure that a lot of our podcasts touch on that, but I can't say that we've done a full episode about it. So I'm going to talk about it now. The fact is that not everyone deserves your grief. Not everyone is a safe place for it. And all of the cheerleading around vulnerability needs to come with a caveat that not everyone deserves your vulnerability. Not everyone is up for it. Not everyone can handle it. Not everyone is worth it. And that's a huge 
Frickin' bummer. I will be honest, when our lives fall apart, we want to be able to do a big trust fall into the arms of the people who love us. I personally would like to bring back the Victorian widow's costume. It's very dramatic. Or a light-up billboard, like sandwich board, maybe, that says, my life fell apart, just be gentle with me. Or a light-up sign that just changes with my moods, like a mood ring. So sometimes it would say, treat me like nothing happened. And sometimes it would say, ask me about it. And sometimes it would say, I do not want to talk about it. Shut up. The thing about your grief is that it is yours yours to figure out and process. And sometimes that processing happens with people you love and care about and also with a paid professional. And sometimes it happens with people you barely even know, but you know about that brand of pain. Our expectation that the people who have been through our highs will automatically know how to deal with this new version of ourselves is... It's natural, guys, but it's also kind of unrealistic. That said... I am dead jealous of everyone whose friends and families become closer after tragedy. Of course I am. My circles changed after Aaron's death, and it hurt a lot, and some of those changes might have been a long time coming. Some of them were squarely my fault. I mean, hurt people do tend to hurt people, and I was like a wounded, rabid mountain lion with one eye and mange. I was hungry, but didn't want what you were serving. We want the people around us to step up and take care of us, and sometimes the people around us just can't. They have their own lives. Sometimes the people around us just aren't that great at the hard stuff, and sometimes we forget that people aren't living in our headspace and our reality. We can't expect that of them, of course, but then when we butt up against that reality, that what shattered our world just kind of dented theirs for a little bit, but it was like a surface dent. Like you could clearly just go to the dealership and get it like knocked out. We're like, what? What the heck? It's different for us because it's our loss. I know the urge to want people to understand. I know the urge to want to make sure everyone gets it, but not everyone does. Not everybody has the capacity for it. We're even just now starting to understand the brain and how trauma affects it. And So many of us are mysteries even to ourselves and want so badly to be understood, even though we don't know what what our own brains are doing. I will include book recommendations about this in the description for the episode, but it's kind of hard to get until you get it. It's hard to understand the long tail of grief until you're riding it, buddy. This is where, I mean, America's the worst. People in the West don't know what to do with your terrible thing. Not just grief, but just anything bad, because we really don't allow one another time to fully process things. We don't have a national agreed-upon period of mourning. We don't have bereavement leave policies beyond the few days you might get from a full-time employer if you lose a spouse or a child or a parent. And once we see a person doing something normal, we just assume... They're back to normal. So, is this the fourth thing or the third thing? Who's counting? Fourth. Big days, big days. Birthdays. What do you do for birthdays? 
Five years after Aaron's death, I'm still trying to figure out what to do with the big days. The big days like Aaron's birthday and Aaron's death anniversary. Personally, I'm not a birthday person. I was born three days after Christmas, so who cares? It's that no man's land between Christmas and New Year's and people are like, ugh. No, I'm not available. Birthdays are always too much attention and not enough attention, but Aaron loved birthdays. He memorized all his friends' birthdays. He always made people feel special, even a birthday hater like me. I'm now older than Aaron ever will be, and my birthdays feel different. My birthdays are a special day. It's a freaking honor to get older. It's a gift. So I celebrate my birthdays now the way Aaron would. I go all out for myself. Massage, manicure, laying in bed reading a book all day, real wild stuff. I go freaking ham on a manicure, okay? I walk into the massage parlor like 90 minutes, please. And I'm going to give you an excellent tip, okay? Then I'm going to have lunch, alone. Table for one. Don't seat me at the bar. I'm going to be reading a book the whole time. Aaron would have been 40 this year, and I always thought leading up to it that I'd, I'd just get to 40 and I'd have this big, beautiful plan for his 40th. And I did not. But I spent the day with Ralph, our son, and our friend Lindsay doing Aaron activities, things he liked. We went to his favorite coffee shop, his favorite stores. We had Taco Bell for dinner with our whole extended family, Aaron's parents, my siblings and their kids, and Matthew's parents, too. I bought each of my kids and nieces and nephews a gift card to Hot Topic in honor of Aaron. You heard that right. Hot Topic. Hot Topic. The, the store where you can buy, you know, fandom stuff. Very Aaron approved. And it felt right to me to make that a day of fun for the people in our lives because Aaron loved fun. This year is his fifth death anniversary. And I'm sneaking all the kids out of school. Sorry if the schools are listening, but family issue is a vague term and who knows what it means. And also, I'm their mom and I'll ruin their educations if I want to. You're not the boss of me. Unless, yeah. Also, last night, Ralph was like, Mom, what does the government look like? And I was like, what? Like, I don't, I mean, well, you know, it's a series. He's like, no, what does she look like? I have no idea what he thinks the government is. He just, I was like, uh, she's, she's beautiful, Ralph. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm sneaking all the kids out of school. Sorry, government, whoever you are. I think you're a beautiful woman. And Matthew and I are taking all the kids to the Mall of America to run around and ride the rides just like Aaron would do if he could. This feels like the right moment to just bring us to a close because, you know, you do learn a lot in five years and three years. And I could say more, but Marcel is, 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 is done. And, you know, I have said more. I've written several books that you should buy at some point, but it's supposed to be a short list and it's Thanksgiving week. And it's also the week of Aaron's death anniversary. And those two things will always be connected. So instead of, you know, Make it listicles. Let's all just go out in the world and do something for and hopefully with the people we love. Do something for yourself, 
do something for Aaron, go to Taco Bell, go to Hot Topic, go chug a Mountain Dew. They've got Mountain Dew slushies at Taco Bell now. You got to drink them while they're fresh. Do not let them melt. Go do something for the people you love, with the people you love, in memory of the people you love. Go make your own, go make your own list of things you've learned. The last thing I'll say in honor of this colonial oppressive celebration of hashtag gratitude and appreciation, but more in honor of Aaron and you and everything in the world is thank you. Sincerely, thank you for listening, for giving us your time and your energy and hopefully your tears because we're collecting those tears and saving them in a rain barrel for our potions that we use to fix the world. We're all sorcerers here. We're on the dark web. Look for search tears. Go to www.darkweb.com slash tears. You can buy you can buy your own custom TTFA tears. But I don't know where I'm going with this. Other than thank you for making this possible, this life and this work. You make it all possible. So one last time. Thank you. I'm Nora McInerney, and this is Terrible Thanks for Asking. Hans Buto is our senior producer. Marcel Malikibu is our associate producer. Hannah Meacock-Ross is our project manager. Jordan Turgeon is our digital producer. Megan Palmer is our vegan intern. I just like Megan so much. Oh, God. I do not have mange. That was a metaphor. We will be back in February. 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 In February, Joffrey Wilson makes our theme music, and we are a production of APM, and this time I was really going to think of something. Hold on. Animal possum mammals. <laughs> There's three. It doesn't make any sense. That's not a good one. Oh. We are a production of APM. Animals presenting mange. <laughs>